The greatest of the greatest, the most intellect, not just an intellect, but someone who is highly disciplined, who is high morale. This guy, this guy, who is that aura, who pushes some easy exuberance, it might be an asset, they're public speaking. I'm on another level, eh? I'm on another level, I am, or it's a higher grade. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into the J Mokopa podcast. If it's your first time listening, here is your extra immersive. If it's not your first time, here is your extra immersive. Guys, I preached this message on Good Friday, and I believe it's going to bless you. We're not going to waste too much time. We're just going to get into it. So let's go. Amen. So, what we're going to go, or what we're going to speak about today is what the gospel is all about. Um, you know, we call this Good Friday, but sometimes in order for you to understand the good news, you have to understand the bad news. Can someone say amen today? Can someone say amen today? For us to really appreciate the good news, we need to understand what the bad news is about. There's a reason when someone says, I'm going to tell you good news, the reason you'll be excited about it is because, hey, it's, it's changing something. It is waking me up to something that maybe was not as good as this news. Can someone say amen today? So the good news shines bright when we understand the bad news. Church, the gospel is something that needs to fuel every believer. It needs to be the thing that is causing you to pray. The gospel is what needs to cause you to come to church. The gospel should be the fire behind all our decisions because if it is not for the gospel, we have nothing. If it's not for this message, we can hold on to nothing. We can speak about blessing, but without the gospel, the blessing means nothing. We are condemned. We can speak about healing, but without the gospel, we are condemned. We can speak about prosperity, but without the gospel, we are condemned. The gospel is the key for us to connect with our God. The gospel is what we are to be shining and speaking about with all our strength and our might. The gospel is a story of Jesus giving himself to us. And each time you reflect on the gospel, I want you to know you are hearing a message of Christ giving himself to you. But it's not only about you celebrating what has been given to you. It's also saying, God, because you have given all of yourself to me, I will give my all to you. There is a response to this message, church. God did not give you just 50% of himself or gave you a certain weekend. God did not just give you Sundays. He gave you everything and our response to everything must be everything. The gospel is all we have, church. Can we go to the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 27? The book of Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 27. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus." Then what comes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? 
By law of works? No. By the law of faith. Can someone say amen today? See, one of the reasons why people can look at believers today and say there seems to be a bit of a weakness in Christians, it's often because as believers we are not fully understanding what the gospel is about. And today what I want to do, I want to work and labor in explaining the gospel in as much of a concise way as I can because you can preach this until you are in heaven. But the book of Romans chapter 3 verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What this is telling us is already beginning the story of the bad news. The bad news is God has a standard that all mankind has failed to reach. Are you hearing me, church? Have you ever heard someone say, God... God does not expect perfection. People say, God is not expecting you to be perfect. Church, I want you to know today that the standard of God is perfection. Because he is perfect, because he is holy, his standard will be perfect and it will be holy. Are you hearing me today? So what does this mean for mankind? It means already we are in trouble because we are not perfect. And we have sinned against him. Are you hearing me today, church? The Bible says all have sinned. So it says there's not one who is excluded. All of us have sinned. Now, when we hear sin, we've heard this word sometimes too many times. And we think, oh, sin, oh, I've sinned, I've sinned, sin this, sin that. And we're used to hearing it. Now, I've given this example before. The truth is, God hates sin. And God's response to sin is not your response to sin. How many of you have ever had a time when you have done a number two in the toilet today? Oh, well, we all have in Jesus' name. Don't need to put your hand up. Uh, maybe I, I <laughs> don't need to put your hand up. Okay, it's fine. I know. Um, but you've experienced a, a time when it's a, it's a bit of an interesting illustration, but you can be in the toilet and do number two, and you can find yourself sitting there and getting used to the smell in the room. Amen? And you're used to the smell in the room. The room is a certain smell, but because you've been there for a certain amount of time, it almost can disappear. Some people can be on their phone, listen to music. Some people can read a newspaper, and it doesn't bother them anymore. Church, I'm telling you, this is a picture of mankind. That we have become so used to sin that when it's around us, it doesn't affect us anymore. You can watch a movie and there is sin happening before you, but it doesn't affect you. You can pick up your phone on social media. There are sinful things you are reading, listening to, seeing, and it doesn't affect you. But you have become used to it because you live in it. So when you hear of sin, it's like it's not a big deal to you. It's not a big deal. The fact that you lie, it's not a big deal to you. The fact that you gossip, it's not a big deal to you. The fact that you lust, it's not a big deal to you because you've become used to something that is cursed. You're used to it. As mankind, the whole world is under this curse that we are used to sin. But what happens, church? Have, have you ever been, you've done the number two and then you've left it and you thought the room, it smelled fine. But when somebody else walked into the room, they, they, they don't agree that the smell is fine. Or someone else was in the bathroom and, and they were busy and you came in and because you are not used to that, that smell disgusts you. 
Church, you must understand because God is holy, he dwells in holiness. When he comes in areas of sin, he is disgusted by the sin. You see, this is important for us to know this about our God because we need our God to be disgusted by sin. His attitude to, to sin is not that he's just passive about it. He hates it. You see, we need God to hate sin. Because we look at the injustice, we look at gender-based violence, we look at uh, racism, we look at corruption, we look at the pain, killings, murders that are happening on earth. And it's important for me that my God hates that. But understand, it's not just the sins that are happening around you, it's the sin that happens in your own heart that he hates. He is a just God and he does not tolerate sin. You see, now, the, now this is the problem that we have. The problem each one of us has is we have all sinned against him. It's not just that you've done something wrong, church. Sin, when we sin, it's because you have sinned against him. Every sin you do, it's against him. Because that's not who he created you to be. That's not why he created that mouth of yours. That's not why he created the body of yours. He created you that you may give glory to him, living in righteousness, but what you do is you turn that thing that was supposed to be used for righteousness to do accursed things. And he hates it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are not reaching this standard that he needs us to reach. You see, theologians say that God looks, comes onto earth and he speaks to the sun and the sun rises and he speaks to the moon. The moon moves in its place, speaks to birds and they sing, speaks to the wind and the wind moves, speaks to the the, the ocean, the ocean moves. And all of nature responds to how God designed it to be. But when God speaks to man and says, come here, man says no. When, when God says, obey me with all your life, everything else will obey him. All of the universe will obey what God has said and will not move in a way that he said it should not move. But mankind is in rebellion. Mankind is in rebellion, church. We have a problem. Can someone say amen today? You see, we, we look in the, in, in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve, and we see that Adam and Eve did one sin. One sin. What, what was the effect of one sin? Yet when we look at all of creation, how much sin has been happening? You see, when you don't understand what sin is, you'll be shocked about what's happening in the world. But when we understand what sin is, we will understand that, yes, These things are going to happen because mankind is not obeying God. Because all of creation, all all of mankind is in rebellion to him. And when Adam and Eve sinned once, it threw mankind into chaos. But we sin every day and we ask ourselves, why is the country looking the way it is? We say, why, why is the world looking the way it is? Why is there so much confusion in the world? It's because you're not understanding what sin is and what it does to people. 
what it does to communities, what it does in families, what it does in marriages, what it does in friendships, what it does in our relationship with God. It's because you're not understanding what sin does, yet you go and do it. Hallelujah. The book of Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, it says, The Lord was looking over mankind, and this is what God says, church. You see, some people will preach and say, you know, hey, there's a good thing and and we are these wonderful people, but what does God look at when he looks at mankind? In the book of Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, he says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on earth, and every intention of the heart of man was only to do evil continually. When God looks over mankind, he looks at our hearts and sees that our hearts are only to do evil continually. You may say, but I don't think about doing evil things all the time. It's because of the standard you have. It's because of your standard that you think it's not bad. My thoughts are not, are not bad, but church, every thought, Jesus tells us we must love him with all our heart, mind, and strength. He is saying everything about you is supposed to be given unto God. And if anything in you is not given to him, it is in its wrong place and it is sinful. It was not designed for that. It was not created for that. So we sin against the creator by using his creation in ways he did not intend. Amen. To do evil continually. Some of you may, like I said, you may agree, disagree and say, no, but I don't think about evil all the time. I want to ask you, if I said today, uh, I want to do something special in church and I want to play a movie for us today, and I said the movie is going to be your thoughts, and as a church, we're all going to watch on this screen all the thoughts that come to your mind, some of you would never come back to church again. You would not return. If we were going to watch all the thoughts that come through your mind, And that's simply a fact that all of us can agree that our hearts are broken. Our nature is not how God has intended it to be. Our nature is corrupted. We are falling. We are fallen. We are sinners. And understand again, sin is something he hates. It's not, ah, he does, he's irritated. He hates it. Amen. So we find ourselves saying, what's happening in the world? Why are all these bad things happening to us? Again, you're not understanding theology. You're not understanding um, what God's word is communicating to us. It's not that bad things are happening to us. Listen to this. All of mankind, it's not that evil is happening to us. The truth is evil is coming from us. When you're looking at and you say what's happening in South Africa, what's happening in the world, it's not that evil is happening to us. There's this thing coming to us. It's coming from us. And there's no way of us changing because it is the nature of man. We are doomed. We are hopeless. It is just how we are going to be. Amen. Let's, let's further look at what the Bible says. The book of Genesis chapter 8 verse 21. It says, and when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. 
For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. From his youth. It's not something that you learn to be evil. It's from your youth. There's a, a, a picture, a, 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 someone was giving an example to say, you can have two babies who are playing together, and you can give one of the children a toy. And you give them a toy, and then you can take the toy away, and the child will just be fine. But if you, if you put another child next to that child, and then you give, okay, and you give the child the toy to play with, the other child is going to want to take the toy away from the other child. Or there's going to be some type of a, a, a disagreement, some type of a fight of why is this one taking it and I can't have it? Why is this one having it and the other one can't have it? It's something that comes natural from us as children. You, you don't teach a child to lie. You, t- you, you teach children to tell the truth. You don't teach children how to, how to steal. They're going to steal. They'll take if they want something, they'll go ahead and take it. You teach them, no, you don't do this, you don't do this. Why? Because it is in the nature of man to sin. You see, sometimes we look at children and we think that they are innocent. It is, we still look at children and see sin is living in them. By the way they behave, by the way they can scratch their mother, by the way that they can kick and they can scream and they can just, you're telling them to do something and they are raging against you. I don't want to do it. There's sin in that child. Again, 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 church, we must understand we, we are helpless without the gospel. It's not that he just thinks it's okay for us to behave this way. It is something he hates. Can someone say amen today? Amen? The book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 6. We're just speaking about why we have to understand the bad news if we're going to understand the good news. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like a wind take us away. This is, again, speaking of the nature of man. Um, uh, the book of Isaiah says that we have all become like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds are like Uh, polluted garment. So this is saying that no matter how good you are, you're still doing those good deeds with dirty hands. No matter, you see, some people will give an example, well, well, what, well, what will God do if, if there is an atheist who doesn't believe in God, but they, but they go to charities and they give to the poor and they do all these things. Scripture says that all of your good deeds are like a filthy rag. Because you are a sinner with blood on their hands and you're trying to do something good. But all those things you are doing is like throwing a dirty rag before God because the standard that you have is not the standard God has. He is a perfect God. He is in holiness and everything you do is still polluted by sin, church. Everything we do, even if you want to go ahead and start a church and you want to memorize the Bible from beginning to end, it is still a filthy rag before Him. This is why we can do nothing in our own power to be right with God. There is nothing you can do that is going to earn you a connection with God. There is nothing out there. It is out of your power, church. It is out of your power. 
completely out of your power. So again, church, this is a bad news because there's nothing you can do to be right with him. There is nothing we can do. We have no power in this regard. It's almost like what people will describe like a, a, a leper. In the Bible, there were people who had leprosy, and, and what, what that sickness is, is your body would begin to basically, you are alive, but you are rotting as you are alive. And it's almost like someone who has leprosy, someone who has leprosy, and each time you try and do a good deed, it's almost like you trying to cover up the leprosy and putting on nice clothes on yourself and putting perfume over yourself and trying to cover up this thing that is coming out from the inside of you. But I tell you, with time, that that rot is going to come through those good deeds you're trying to do. No matter how much you're going to try and be right, all that you do will never really deal with the situation. Am I making sense to anyone today? The book of Romans chapter 3 verse 9 to 10, we are speaking about the bad news. We are speaking about the bad news. The book of Romans chapter 3 verse 9 to 10, it says, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jew and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. None is righteous, no, not one. When we speak about righteousness, we're speaking about the standard of God that we are trying to hit, and the Bible is telling us that nobody is hitting that standard. No matter how good you think you are, nobody is reaching his standard. No more, like nobody in this room is reaching, can, can say, I've reached the, the righteous standard of God. No one. Again, church, we're in trouble because what? God hates sin. And because he is a judge, he must judge sin. Because he is a judge and he is a, a just judge, he must rightly judge the sin that each man does. The book of Romans chapter 9 verse 11 says, No one understands, no one seeks God. No one understands, and no one seeks God. You see, what you must understand is that if you honestly believe that there is a God, all your life would be spent chasing after God. Are you hearing me today? If you, if you believe that there is a God, if you believe that there is a God, all your life would be spent trying to know this God. It only makes sense. If, if you say you believe there is a God, but you're not spending your life to know the God, it means you lack understanding of what is coming out of your mouth. There was a pastor who was doing some outreach at, at some point, and he was saying, he was speaking to one of these girls, and one of the girls was saying, you know, my, I have a brother, and my brother... You know, he doesn't believe in God, and he doesn't really, he's not really religious, and, and you know, every weekend he goes to parties, he's always changing girls, he's always drunk, and he's always doing those things, and then, and then he says, you know what, my brother, he really needs God, and, 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 uh, and you know, all these things, and then the, the pastor looked at the girl and says, you know what, I have more respect for your brother than I have for you. He says, what do you mean, pastor? What do you mean you have more respect for my brother? But, but I'm a Christian. I, I, I believe in God. And he was like, you know what? Your brother says he doesn't believe in God and he acts like it. You say you believe in God, but you don't act like it. You say there is a God, but your life does not look like there is God. 
You say that you believe in, in Christ and what he has called you to, but your lifestyle is not matching this thing that you're saying you're talking about. You lack understanding. And this is the danger of many believers who think that they are walking in truth, but when we look at the life, we're saying there's no understanding here. That if you say you know him, if you say you believe in him, then there is nothing else that you would want to pursue. There's nothing else you'd want to spend your life chasing after. If there is a God who has created all things, who is the beginning and the end, who is uncreated, perfect in all his ways, if he is there, I would spend my whole life coming after him. But if you say he is there, but your lifestyle is different, there is a lack of understanding. You don't understand what you're talking about. Again, falling into the traps of the sinfulness of man, saying we believe something, but we don't actually walk according to it. A few weeks ago, we spoke about the, decept the deceptiveness of our hearts. And sometimes even our hearts can tell us, no, you believe in God. No, you do. No, you do. But I ask you about your life. Does your life say you believe in him? Does your life say that he is good? Does your life say that he is all you need? Does your life say that he, you will give him your everything? Amen. Amen. One thing we must understand, church, is when you're not with God, you, God wants to use mankind and use us for his glory. The frightening thing about someone who is a, a sinner and someone who is not submitted to Christ is that you actually, when we are outside of him, we have no use to him. Are you hearing me, church? He has a plan to use mankind and to speak to men. All of the Old Testament and in the New Testament, he reveals himself to men, gives them a plan, puts them on a path, walks with them. But if you are outside of him and you are not submitted to him, there is, he can't do anything with you. There is no use in the hand of God with a sinner. There is no use to God. Like someone who doesn't believe in him, he has, what can he do with you? Again, church, we must understand the, the bad news. The, the reason often, I've said this before, sometimes churches and believers, we can be in a place where we don't respect God. Where it's an issue of respect. You don't respect him. And you don't honor him. Often it's because of how you see the gospel. You see it as this cheap thing that, oh, he just came and, and he gave his sins away. Oh, okay, now we're fine. That's basically what, how people see it. Oh, he just loved us and then gave it and then... But you're missing everything about how you are a sinner. You're missing everything about how you failed to reach his standard. You miss everything about, no, it's not that he saw something in you. One thing I must make clear for us on this Easter weekend is not that when God decided, when God decided to save us, it's not that he saw something in us. There was nothing he saw. He only sent his son because he is good, not because you are good. There was nothing of, of worth. There was nothing he was gaining. Even when he gave Jesus, he didn't gain a thing. He does it because it's the character of God. This is why, again, we keep emphasizing the fact that God does not need us. But because he is good, he reveals himself to us. 
And this is why we worship and we give our whole lives to him. As I'm coming to a close for the sake of time. So what I've been trying to do was paint a picture of mankind away from God. Of all people away from God. And in this Easter weekend, we have to reflect on the fact that, hey, this is the picture of who people are away from God. Mankind is cursed away from him. The Bible even says that if you do not obey every, every commandment in the book of the law, there is a curse over you. So the Bible is saying that if you do not obey every single thing that Jesus says here, that there's a curse over you. Even if you know about the law and you agree with it, if you don't, uh, if you don't accomplish everything the Bible says, there's a curse over you. Now because we could not reach the standard of God, because the standard of God is far too high. Because the, the holiness and the perfection of Him is far too high. We could not do it. So what does God do? God reaches and He meets the standard Himself. Because mankind, we could not reach the standard. So He has to do it Himself, church. Let me say this also one really quickly. Some people will say, that hell is hell because God is not there. They say, why is hell hell? It's because God is not there. Church, I want to tell you today that heaven is heaven because God is there, but hell is also hell because God is there. You see, there are two huge things about who God is. There's two main emphasis about the character of God. It's on one side, it is the love of God. On the other side, it is the justice of God. That if something is wrong, He must deal with it. You see, if there was a judge that we knew, that there was some, some child maybe got uh, molested, and then we brought this case, and we know who did this to the child, and we bring it before a judge, and we say, this is what happened, judge, and the judge just lets the person go, we would say, that judge is an unjust judge. We say, that's not a good judge, that's an evil judge, how could you let this person go? And this is why the reality of the punishment of hell is real because he does judge sin and he will judge every sin but mankind has two options because every sin will be judged it's not that our sins are not judged every sin will be judged every sin will be judged God will not let one sin be unjudged are you hearing me church there will not be one sin that escapes God are you hearing me not one sin will escape him. So what he does is he sends his son to meet the standard that we could not meet. And he gets onto the cross. And on the cross, you see, it's not, we are not forgiven because of a, a thorn, a crown of thorns. We're not forgiven because Jesus was, was just beaten and he was beaten and that's not why we are forgiven. We are forgiven because on the cross, the anger of God and the judgment of God over sin was poured onto Christ. Are you hearing me, church? This is why we are forgiven. It's because the anger towards your sin the anger towards the sin of mankind. At that moment, God poured it all upon Jesus. And this is why Jesus on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why have you forsaken me? The scripture says that even the sky went, went black because of what was happening in that moment. Yes, maybe people were looking at just the man who was crucified, but on a spiritual level and on a level of forgiveness, God was putting your sins upon Christ. So every sin is forgiven or every sin is punished. But you have a decision. Will it be punished upon your own head or upon the head of Christ? And the only thing we can do to receive this forgiveness is by placing our faith in Him. Why does the Bible say it's only by faith? Because your hands are dirty. There's nothing you can do. All we can do is we can trust in what He has done and then receive the forgiveness. You follow me today, church. All we can do is that. All we can do is that. You see, there's a reason why the Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb of God. You see, in the Old Testament, for people to be right with God, they had to sacrifice an animal. And they would say, because I've sinned, may the Bible also says the wage of sin is death. So what does that mean? It means what you get from sin will be death. You see, if you continue to sin, even in marriage, that can bring death to your marriage. If you continue to sin among friendships, that can bring death to your friendships. If you continue to sin as you are trying to live out your life, it will bring death towards you. So the wage of sin, what you get for sinning is death, is the judgment of God. So what happened in the Old Testament is they would get a, a lamb or, or they would get a ram or sometimes a dove or, and they would put their hands onto that lamb and say, may my sin that's on me be placed upon this lamb. And what would happen is that lamb would be killed and blood would be shed so that that person would be forgiven. But what would happen is that they would sin again. So they'd have to go back and get another lamb and have to go back and get another lamb. Because those lambs did not reach the standard of God. They were not enough. So Jesus sends the Lamb of God, the final Lamb, the final sacrifice, which is Christ, who would be on the cross for the final time. And this is why in the book of John, where Jesus says, it is finished. He's on the cross and says, it is finished. Because that's the last time that blood must be shed on behalf of anyone. That's the last time blood must be shed. I hear me, church? just to, to touch on something else this is why as believers we do not when it comes to certain customs and practices we do not slaughter anything we do not slaughter because Jesus said it's finished now, uh, now church we must understand certain things about the strongholds of Africa and of South Africa the thing we have to understand about the land that we are on as God's people. When we speak about the blood that was shed for Christ, Jesus said it is finished. It's full stop here. It stops there. There's nothing else that's needed. If you continue to say, I want to sh shed blood, you are saying whatever that was, I'm not connected to it because the shedding of blood would be a covenant and a promise. So those who have, cried, who have faith in Christ, because of that holy blood was shed, it means there's nothing else that we need to do. Because it is, there is nothing that is 
lacking from Jesus. There's nothing, there's no protection that I need because Jesus died on the cross. There's nothing else you need. And your decision is either you trust in that or something else. Are you hearing me, church? It's very important that we understand this. That the blood that was shed was enough. And there was nothing that was lacking. There was nothing that was lacking. Amen. Can we stand on our feet together today? Amen and amen. I just want to pray for you right now. Let's close our eyes and let us pray. Father, I want to thank you for every mind and every heart who listened to this message. I pray, God, that this word would not just be something that excites us, but may it be something that we want to share with those around us, God. I pray, Lord, um, that we would just grow in our deepening uh, reverence and understanding of what you did on the cross. Father, I pray may the gospel fuel us, may the gospel excite us, and may we be passionate about it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we all say it. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the J. Copper podcast. If you know someone who needs this message, please share the link with them. Um, yeah, let's keep sharing these with our friends, our loved ones, and even the haters. Guys, the haters are not okay. That's why we need to bless them. Okay. Other than that, guys, take care. God bless. Goodbye.